This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. We had a really good first, so, but, you know, again, that, that's all self-inflicted in Minnesota. You, you saw plays at the blue line that we we don't normally make, and we're making changes, and they're getting breakaways. So the, the, the second period was just really, it was sloppy. It was just bad puck management, but, again, give the guys credit because they responded in the third and started to play. But our overall five-on-five game has to, it was so good in Vancouver, right, for 60 minutes. Um We'll get it back. Winnipeg Jets, Jim Toth, beating the Minnesota Wild 6-3 yesterday. You heard that game right here on 680 CJOB at Canada Life Center. Do you not love the way Paul Edmonds throws to breaks? Break on your radio and we'll take a break on the ice and we'll take a break here too when we come back to 680. CJOB. Well, he's the best. He's the, to say. Oh, he is the best. Sells it. Just sells it. Makes you want to listen. Well, he has those some of those goal calls. I don't know if Oh, they're great. When, I don't know where he comes up with that stuff. Does he think about it beforehand? I think it just pops into his brain. Uh there are so many of those. I remember great back ones in here. the day when he said that the Jets tie it on power play goal. Uh what'd you think of the game last night there, Jim Toth? Uh, I thought it was a good game. Um, the five-on-five play is not much better than Calgary. Yes. I mean, but how could it not be? And then uh, the power play is carrying this team once again. So are we? <laughs> are we still? Are we still firing Brad Lauer? Because last week, people were sending me um, his time in Anaheim, his time in Tampa Bay, and you know it's funny how those text just, messages just stop. They stop coming, and I get it because the power play was horrific. It was terrible. But it's been you good. don't as I've always said about the power play, it's too good to keep struggling. There's too much talent on it. Um, and Sean Monahan was brought in specifically to not just do what he's done on it the last three mm-hmm. games, but to allow Gabe Velarde to do what he does. With 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 him there, and Mitchell Clinton made this point, I think, after the Calgary game and the post game, that he said, with that clicking now, with the bumper position in Monahan, mm-hmm. you have to focus on it. You have to pay attention to it, so that opens things up for Gabe Velarde. And Gabe Velarde's hands down low is harken back to when Dubois was being talked about traded and when the Kings were floating out there. Yeah, Velarde's hands are underrated um, around the net. Incredible. I, th- um, I'm, I, I think he could do it inside of a beer bottle. Um, but Loren Brassois was a star last night. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially no, in the second. There was too much given up uh, on the first line, and, and we'll hear from Velarde over the course of the show. He mentions that. Um, the third line was the Jets' best line last night. Um, Adam Lowry, Nito Niederreiter, Mason Appleton gets gets one. He needed a goal. Um, they were absolutely fantastic Did last you see night. the Jets' social media when they were handing out the jackets in the room after? I saw the video. I didn't. And uh, Adam Lowry got the jacket yeah. and he had his shirt off. That guy's been chopping wood. <laughs> that guy, I mean, I know he's a big dude, but he's a, that guy... I'm just saying, if I'm at a pool and Adam Lowry's at the same pool, I'm wearing a shirt into the water. He spent time canoeing up and down the boat. He River. probably chopped down some trees 
took a canoe out, saved a drowning deer <laughs> with one arm and paddled back in with the other. Second line continues to struggle with Ehlers and Perfetti in, out, no offensive zone. Um, the one time they, they, I think there was two where they generated a couple of chances. The puck goes right back out. Yeah. Um, they're, they're really struggling. JP Vijay is going to be joining us, former NHLer, right after 1230. We're going to talk about the second line. How can they better sustain pressure? We'll talk about the first line as well and the five-on-five five play as well as the power play. We'll touch on all of that as well. And can I just ju- say something about the second line quickly? Yeah, no, go ahead. Nobody hates Nick Ehlers. Nobody. What about Cole Perfetti? Do people hate Cole Perfetti? Nobody hates Cole Perfetti. Yeah. Everything that's being done by now the third coaching staff is to get them going and playing better. There was a couple of, sh- I think they missed at least one shift at the beginning of the third, and I will go to on the power play uh, when Nick Ehlers tried to take the puck over the blue line through three Minnesota Wild, and that was the exact play that he needs to stop doing. And I there keep was going back several of those over the course of the game. I keep going not as egregious as that one, but there was others. I keep going back to the Vancouver game where he was hemmed in his own end. The whole line was yeah for for close to forty seconds. They finally get the puck out. He's two feet from center, and he tries a shot on net to go for a change. Mm-hmm as opposed to just getting it to center. And, of course, he misses the net, ices it. So now that line is out there again, and that's how you get scored on. And so I love Nick Ehlers. I think he's a dynamic player. I said at the start of the year when he had a slow start, I have a lot of runway for him yet. But everything I see being done is to try and get him and Cole Perfetti going. And Carl has the text here that says, no, we're not firing the coach, but we are trading Ehlers and Perfetti now. And I got a lot of that last night. Trade Ehlers for what this... It's not about that. They need both those guys, and they're doing everything they can, much like they were with the power play, to get it going. Yeah, no, and and Cole Perfetti right now, and I'll say this in the simplest terms I can, he has to find his game. This just coming down, we just got got Jets tickets to give away uh, for today, for tomorrow, and on Friday. So this is really exciting. We've got Jets tickets uh, coming up at the Wasack game uh, Sunday, February 25th versus the Arizona Coyotes. The Jets' next game is going to be in Chicago on Friday. That's an away game. So this game coming up on Sunday, the 25th against the Arizona Coyotes. Um, so this is really exciting. We do have a bunch of Jets tickets, and we'll tell you how we're going to be giving those away in the next little bit. But I was able to catch up with Jets PA uh, announcer and co-host of Jay and Vicky on Power 97, Jay Richardson. Jay, how you doing? Quite well, thank you so much for asking. <laughs> well, I, I always love to ask you how you're doing. Yeah. It's one of my favorite parts of the morning. Yeah, we Here. could go on for five minutes just about how what I had for breakfast yes. and how my tummy's feeling this morning. Well, stuff. how is it feeling? It's good. It's good. Oh, well, it's good. good. Content. Thank Nothing's you. uh No, upset. I you know what? I like uh I like when there's not like uh wins where you have to like wait for the last minute to <laughs> hang on to it, like a one nothing San Jose win. Yeah. Eh, eh, I don't yeah. like that. My tummy gets all all nervous and stuff. Yeah, those aren't those aren't uh, well, they're fun. But uh, it's it's you're, you're you don't get as exactly as you said it. You Just don't get as nervous. Mix in like a three goal win every now and again, so I can take a little bit of the edge off. That's all I'm what saying. What about an eight one win? That would be eight great. Nothing. What's wrong with those? That would be amazing. I thought I thought we were going to be on our way to that in the first period. I thought, oh yeah, yeah. Minnesota was leaky on defense in that mm. game against Vancouver, which was <laughs> amazing on Monday. Ten seven. Ten seven. I thought maybe. 
maybe that was going to be it. And then I thought, no, no, wait. Vancouver had like, what was it, a four-goal lead at one point? Or four th- goals, yeah. They gave up, I think it was five goals in the first five minutes. I think they were four and five on the power play of the Minnesota Wild Yeah, um, during that game. And so um, both the Jets and the Wild coming in off a of back-to-back. Um, very different results from either team. Um, and yeah, the first period I thought the Minnesota Wild uh, were a little bit slow. I, I thought the Jets were a little humiliated by what had happened Um uh, in Calgary, uh, and then by the second period, I thought the the Wild were really starting to take control of the game, and I thought things got pretty ugly for the Jets, especially late in that second period. Yeah. Uh, but it was a good response in the third. Yeah, Minnie absolutely took the uh, the momentum away. It's fun to watch the uh, the ebbs and flows of hockey games, yeah. and I think that you really get a sense of who the the good coaching staffs are. Yeah, by the adjustments that they're able to make, and if you have a good first period team but a crappy second and third period team. I don't know that you've necessarily got the best coaching staff. So it was nice to see the Jets rally and kind of get their game together for most of the third period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, and they could fix. They're fixing it, right? They're having right. bad second period. They're coming into the third period and they're fixing things up. What do you think we've learned from the Winnipeg Jets, Jay? The five-on-five master class against the Vancouver Canucks, the top team in the league follow that up with the game in calgary which was their worst game in the entire season and then we go to last night against the minnesota wild three very different games yeah and and that's why i don't really know that we've learned too much of anything by watching those three games just because of the fact that they are so different you look for you look for trends, right? You yeah. look for consistencies. You look for things that are going from game to game to game before you can get an idea of where a team is at any given point of the season. I don't know where they are right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> are they are they a defensive juggernaut? I mean, at times, are they carrying the play completely five on five like they were earlier in the season? Not really. Yeah. There have been times Minnesota walked all over Winnipeg's top line five on five. What was the shot differential? For that, uh, Velarde mentioned it. Bonus mentioned it last yeah. night as well. They got uh, they got completely worked five on five. That uh, that Shifley line did so. Can't really read anything into there. The last three games, power play force like that's not something you've said about the Jets at all this season. <laughs> I, I, and yet, I'm, if we're going on that last three game sample, isn't that three straight games with two power play goals? Yeah, that's you know, crazy. I was on I've been on on the show here, and I've said that I didn't think that the power play was going to get going at any point this season. Well, they, as soon as I said that, of course, they score six in, <laughs> in three games. Uh, but I think we need to see more consistency from them before I'm saying the power play has been fixed. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's scoring and it's good. Can I ask you what you think? the reason for their success on the power play is I know when the acquisition of Monaghan was made, there was a lot of talk about him being at the bumper position and someone who's going to help yeah. out in that first unit, especially with what he's able to do uh, in the faceoff dot, getting you that extra little bit of cycle and possession at the beginning of when the first unit is out there. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like it's Gabe Velarde who's doing a lot of the work. Is this, totally. is this power play success just Velarde being on a on a heater where he's got eight points in his last three games is Monahan bringing something extra. I don't know that he got an assist on either of the power play goals. Yeah, you know what? I'm not seeing them necessarily moving the puck a lot faster. They're still sort of taking their time. Um, I think for it to improve, I think Kyle Connor, he's kind of 
putting himself in a spot where he can't get the puck. They're constantly yeah. looking for him, but he's he's not finding that open lane and I, like disappearing into the play. Um, he's got to do better at that because uh, as soon as he, that begins to open up and he starts to be able to you know score like everybody knows Kyle Connor can um so I think Kyle Connor can do better there and I don't think um they're getting him the puck and I, and I think it's on him as much as it is on the rest of the team Jay Richardson co-host of Jay and Vicky on Power 97 he's also the Jets PA announcer you're here at Canada Life Center uh Jay thanks so much take care thanks buddy uh that was uh Jay there hey we got to take a break we'll come back a sports event Last weekend, breaking all kinds of records. I'll tell you what that was on the other side. The number is kind of a bit shocking. We got Jets tickets to give away. We'll tell you how we're going to do that uh, when we come back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. I'm going to tell you how we're going to give away those Winnipeg Jets tickets on Sunday against the Cowdies for the Wasack game. But the MLB All-Star Weekend was a slam dunk on X, Jim. Listen to these numbers. Everyone's my favorite event of the year and NBA all-star weekend. What? Um, 2.3 billion. These numbers don't lie, Jim. 2.3 billion video views. 60% increase from last year. Basketball fans and brands post over 2.7 million times up 33%. 14% higher ratings over the course of the game. Records broken. Tons of offense. Jim, you don't like offense in the NBA? What's not the like? How is that possible when it's literally unwatchable basketball? It's not even street ball. It's not even rap ball. 211 to 185. I watched one quarter, and I saw one player point out that somebody was open, and I'm like, what are you doing? You're not going to try to stop them anyway. Layup after layup after layup. Uncontested and uncontested shots. It was a horrific experience of basketball. I I would scrap the whole event. <laughs> the kids. I would get rid of the game altogether. There was a time when Jordan and Magic and Larry Bird and Dominique Wilkins would go at it because there was pride on the line. Now it's just a layup contest. The kids love it. Those and the guy who pointed out that he should mark somebody should not be allowed to ever be an all-star game because he was promoting defense. <laughs> Uh, we have Jets tickets to give away. Call the show now. JP VJ is going to be joining us right after the 1230 news. VJ in 213 games in the NHL had 46 points. Did he have more goals or more assists? And how many? Lines are open. We'll be right back with the answer. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Yeah, I mean, I think we had some breakdowns. I mean, I'll be made a lot of good saves, uh, five on five. There's still some things that, you know, we, we weren't great five on five, especially our line. Uh, we struggled a bit five on five tonight. But, yeah, I think we were cleaner as a, as a group. I thought our third line was, uh, was really, really good tonight, especially against their, their top guys. It was Gabe Velarde. Two goals, one assist. Didn't like the five on five. From his line of Kyle Connor and Mark Scheifele last night, as the Jets win 6-3 over the Minnesota Wild at Canada Life Center. Lots to get to here in the segment, but uh, we had some Jets tickets to give away to the Wasack game on Sunday against the Coyotes. Who would we give those tickets away to, Jeffrey Forche? We gave them to Mike. Mike, congratulations, you're going to the Jets game. Yay, Mike. Our question was involving our next guest, J.P. Vijay, the great hockey analyst and teacher of the game. Yeah. 
He had 213 NHL games. He had 46 points. We asked, did he have more goals or more assists? Jeffrey Forche, Mike knew what? He knew that it was actually even. He was like, I think you guys are trying to trick me. Yes. And he's like, I think it's even. And I asked him, hey, well, do you have the number? And he's all like, oh, no, I, I, I don't. He's like, I'm just going to take a guess. And he said, 23. Yes. Yes. 23 goals, 23 go, assists. So let's bring JPVJ on now. Congratulations on the 46 points, 213 games, JP. Which goalie in the National Hockey League did you absolutely own? That was a very good question. I'd like to say our practice goalies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was hoping you would say all Martin of them. Brodeur. Does that count? <laughs> Martin Brodeur, sure. I, think I had a hat trick on him. I don't actually think I shot any of the pucks. Two were tips, and I think one went off my butt. <laughs> if you had a hat trick on Martin Brodeur, I'd wear a T-shirt that said that. I had a hat trick on Marty Brodeur. And people would go, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you, man. That's awesome. That's excellent. Thanks for playing along. Yeah, JP, um, lots to get to from last night's game. Uh, I text you during the game because I'm like, listen, we need to get somebody that comes on here that knows the game inside and out, JP, to come in and, and, and join us here because the second line has been struggling over the last three games, and it was very, very prevalent last night not able to sustain any amount of pressure in the offensive zone. Ehlers, Monaghan, and uh, Perfetti. Now, now, JP, is is it a zone entry issue? Is it support? Or is it something else? Why can't they hold the O-zone? I think it's a combination of, to me, it starts in the defensive zone. I, I think they're having trouble getting clean exits out of the defensive zone, being at the wingers, uh, Ehlers or Perfetti, making a play. Uh, off the boards, and it's not easy in the National Hockey League, and it's going to get harder as we get to uh, stretch time here toward playoffs. To get that puck out, but make it a clean exit. Uh, we're seeing a lot of secondary regroups out of that right now, so Nikolai Ehlers is thinking they're going out on the first one. He's ahead of the play. Cole Perfetti's behind. Sean Monaghan somewhere in between. Uh, they get into transition. Someone has to come back. Players going the other way. So the, the, the flow of the group has not found itself. <clears throat> And as they're getting to the neutral zone, teams are all different layers. So sometimes that's good. But when you don't have someone to pass the puck to, and most teams are going to be hard and aggressive on the neutral zone, you're dumping the puck. Now, one stand-up push on the guy who dumps the puck. The other two guys are further back. Now they're not getting into the offensive zone to create a turnover. <clears throat> and we're not asking them to create a turnover like an Adam Lowry. You know, they're not going to come in and blow things up and try and grind it out along the wall. They're going to come in, try and have a quick distribution of body, push on vulnerable points, create body space and awareness, and, and keep moving. So I think that's disjoint, and I think they're not winning the battles. Uh, it's pretty cut and dry. I kind of watched uh, after he texted me a little bit closer on Cole Perfetti. You know, we all know his points have struggled, and I think that has weighed on him a little bit mentally, and that makes him look a little bit heavier out there. I'm not saying he's overweight. I think the the stress of the... The drought has weighed on him physically and has mentally bogged him down, which doesn't make him as quick. We know that he needs that speed to be an effective player. Is the line itself flawed with Ehlers and Perfetti on the same line? And, and, I, and this is something I've heard from a bunch of textures that, you know, you can't have Ehlers and you can't have Perfetti on the same line. You know, that you need to have somebody with size there. Is that sort of perhaps an archaic look at how a line needs to be uh, put together? Or can this line make it work the way that it's currently constructed? Well, I think Monaghan is six foot three, isn't he? There's your, you know, your size on the yeah. line. 
if you, if you want to call it that way. I think, you know, I think you have to look at the dynamics of the group. Um, and, you know, Rick Bonus has already probably got it on his napkin, uh, you know, group two, three, four, how he's going to roll this out if it doesn't continue or if it continues to not work. Uh, it has the potential to work. Uh, Cole Perfetti, super smart. Monaghan, uh, you know, kind of the jack of all trades. You lose the, the, you know, the quick, speedy guy. They just haven't found each other. Um, you know, Monaghan's tip goal yesterday was one of the first times we saw connected passes from all three players in the offensive zone, I believe. Yeah. Perfetti got the puck, passed it to Ehlers. Ehlers did some skating. Other than that, we haven't had connected parts. And I think that's been the, the most frustrating part to see is these super smart guys aren't able to find each other or connect with each other, be it in the defensive zone or through the neutral zone, to come in together and really use their skill set. And I think that's something Rick Bonus is still hoping to find because alternative options might disrupt the rest of the group. <clears throat> and you know right now they're not going to touch that Shifley line. They're rolling. You start to wonder, is it time to maybe give Peter Ryder a chance with either Perfetti and Monaghan or Ehlers and Monaghan? Um, but the question becomes, who comes up into that third-line position? Is it Nemestikov, follow. What does that do? Cole Perfetti, if you move him down the lineup in his long-term development. He's not going to be a third-line heavy checker that Rick Bonus has. We know that. Uh, he's going to be an offensive skill set player. So how does moving him in and out of a different position affect his long-term development for the him and the Winnipeg Jets as they continue down this path? Because what, what is his future? Right now, everyone's probably a little bit unsure, but he is slated to be a top-six forward. JP, I was going back to the Vancouver game. Um, there was two things that I thought would really bother Coach Bonus. The one was Nick Ehlers' line was hemmed in. They finally got it out after about 48 seconds. He got it to about two feet of center. Instead of getting over center and going for a change, he shot the puck on net, missed, and it was an icing. And I thought, man, from a veteran player at this time of the year, that'll drive the coach wild. And of course, they lost the face off and were hemmed in again. The other one concerning Perfetti was he gained the zone in the third period. They were up 4-2, I think. I forget I forget the score. But he dumped the puck in and then just sat there and got absolutely hammered into the boards. And I thought, man, he's like, he's just not. Uh, so my question is, um, are those things that would uh, allow the coach to sort of not give them any more shifts over the next two games? And, and as he said to the media in Calgary, that we're not in the business of handing out ice time anymore. And then as a player, how do you get back into a frame of mind where get the puck to center, dump the puck in and move your feet, even though if you're going for a change or not? I, I think, you know, different players react to those things in different situations. <laughs> Cole Perfetti is going to move his feet. He doesn't want to get hammered again like yeah, that. Yeah, he's going to move them now for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I can speak from experience, <laughs> right? So I, I think from that standpoint, I think the, the mental lapses of, you know, of that icing it reminds me when Nikolai Ehlers and Patrick Liney were on the line and everyone was yelling at Brian Little that he had to do more to get those guys out into the offensive zone so they could score. And we're seeing now kind of a relapse back into that. Uh, so I think Nikolai Ehlers just has to simplify his game, understand there is a moment when you have to go for it, right? You're down 2-1, you got to take a chance, get in the offensive zone to create something. Uh, you have to play the score. We're up 4-2. I'm going to get to that line. It, it might hurt a little bit, but I got to get this puck deep, not just for myself, but the greater good. And the greater good provides a quick line change that, that you know, be it the next line coming out is going north instead of 
sitting in the neutral zone and taking on speed or even worse, getting caught in our zone, well, now the momentum shift changes. <clears throat> and I think piece by piece, just like the Winnipeg Jets power play, it wasn't a fix overnight. And we saw that. Everyone's like, oh, Monaghan's here. We're going to score five goals in two games. Well, no, the first few games, they didn't score any power play goals. But the pieces start to look right. Then you have success. And now the success on the power play is moving. I think that's what it's going to take for that Cole Perfetti line. Uh, you know, pieces of that have to move in the right direction before you get total success, right? It's got to get out. It's got to get in. You've got to create some offense, maybe you know, a missed opportunity off a rush or, you know, a low to high play with the tip it, it goes wide and building off of those to create momentum amongst all three players to allow them to go confidence in their game together to give the Winnipeg Jets success. I totally remember those Brian Little days because I watched, it was such a, con, a topic of conversation. I specifically watched a period in Nashville and in three shifts, Brian Little gave them the puck and then got it back in their own end five times in three shifts. Like it was the work that Brian Little did on that line was incredible. Um, and they just couldn't get it into the neutral zone. My other question is, is look, there's a lot of our listeners and texters texting us like Cole Perfetti, you know, is, is it's, he doesn't have it. He's not a top six, blah, blah, blah. I just, I keep thinking of how he's missed time both years in February, both injuries for him that cost him the rest of the year happened in February. Can you talk a little bit about how much experience a player like that can have by, by playing down the stretch here when hockey's harder? Yeah. You can't live through what you want to go through unless you've already been through it. <clears throat> and Cole Perfetti has, you know, played the first, whatever it is, 55 games that the Jets have played and had some ups and downs, had some real good high points, you know, point streaks, contributing on the power play uh, through the team's injuries, and now kind of another low point. Um, you have to kind of find yourself as a player. And going through these challenges is part of the regular grind of an NHL season. Being hurt and coming back, you've missed that heaviness of the grind uh, two years in a row. So now he's in uncharted territory. <clears throat> he's used to having the puck. He's used to scoring goals, uh, creating offense, uh, you know, playing a solid game. Right now there's questions. And, you know, would you have thought Nikolai Ehlers was going to be, you know, the 65-point guy when he was hemmed in his own uh, for, you know, half a season playing with Patrick Line and Brian Little? No, but look where he is now. He understands that. So I think they have to kind of wrap him in bubble wrap and, and keep pushing him to do more because you have to feel the heaviness of the game. You have to feel the pace, the physicality. If I don't move my feet, someone's going to finish. We end up playing a team like the St. Louis Blues. They're going to finish hard, right? A lot of teams aren't letting up now. Uh, you're noticing the checks are getting heavier along the boards. There is more nastiness to the game. So he has to go through that to become battle-tested when the playoffs arrive because – Battle-tested in February is going to be different than battle-tested in April and May. Yeah, that's for sure. The first line as well, uh, JP, I mean, they've been generating. They've been able to score. And and as you mentioned, um, they're not going to be breaking up Velarde, Shifley, and, and Connor anytime soon. But that line also has uh, the tendency to slip sometimes five-on-five. Five. Why do they find themselves in trouble? I think they're just so offensively gifted. They're seeing things that most of us common folks don't see on the ice, right? You're looking, they're finding, they're thinking of a way to create a little more offense, right? It's a 2-1 game. I can make it 3-1. And they're slipping in the team tendencies. And I think Rick Bonus talks about it, right? You know, that first line gets the extra looks. They get the, the extra minutes because they can create offensively. But the key will be to do it in the right fashion. Rick Bonus doesn't care if they get two goals or three. If 
they're on for none against. If you're on, if you get three and you give up two, that's not a, a great system for the for the team to win. So I think they have to understand that um, the sword starts with them and finishes with everyone else. So if they are not being productive and doing the small details of the game, how do you ask Adam Lowry's line to do the same, uh, Kadri to do the same? All the you know all those guys are watching them, and the way they go is the way the team is going to go. Think of all championship teams. Nathan McKinnon last when Colorado wins the Stanley Cup. Did he look to have any shortcomings in his game? No. Right? Look at Jack Eichel last year in the Vegas Golden Knights. Any shortcomings in his game? Maybe a little bit, but not really. Right? (laughs) You know, so I think Sidney Crosby, in the years they win Stanley Cups, who's driving that bus? Sidney Crosby. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. All the leaders on the team pull the rope that everyone else is pulling. But they're the first ones to pull it, and they have to demonstrate. Uh, When you play with a great team and you win 10 or 12 in a row, you know that the leaders are flying, they're doing all the right things, and everyone has to fall in line and do the same. Right? Uh, A second, third, fourth-line player cannot cheat to create more because Shifley's not. Right? Well, if Shifley's not doing that, then I better not do that. I have to play the right way and sacrifice for the team. So I think that's what's important is if you're going to have success, those guys got to lead the way offensively, but also playing the right way and on the right side of the puck. There can be no shortcomings. We've seen Shifley take quite a few big hits of late to make a play. That's going to have to continue, right? Yes, they hurt. They don't feel good. Nobody wants to take them. But that's created offense. That's created goals for the team. That's created momentum for them to get back on track. So those subtle plays don't feel good. But now Cole Perfetti looks at Mark Shifley and says, he just got crushed on his own entry play, but we just scored off it. Guess what I have to do? I can't turn up. I can't just throw the puck away. I have to do those things. So it's very important for a team dynamic to have that success. JP VJ, former NHL player, uh, just fantastic stuff, JP. I really appreciate you jumping on the show. Uh, wonderful, wonderful insight. And I'm going to tell everyone in Portage of Prayer, you own Martin Brodeur. I owned him. Uh, who owns him? Who owns him? <laughs> this this guy. <laughs> say, who is that guy? <laughs> Always great stuff, JP. Really appreciate it. You take care, okay? Have a good afternoon. Yeah. yeah. That insight is great, and we appreciate the fans. Like, I'm, I'm going texting a fan back who thinks it's over for Perfetti and they should move on and stuff. And yeah. Marco Rossi's a prime example. He was taking one pick prior than Cole Perfetti. And people the last two years in Minnesota have been calling him a bust because Perfetti's been in the NHL. And look at him last night. He's developed nicely. You, uh, It's not over for Perfetti in any means, but Perfetti does need to get better. Absolutely. He's fighting it right now for sure, and they need him. Yeah, and I think the coaching staff is 100%, the organization 100% dedicated to getting Perfetti the help that he needs on that line and to become the player that they drafted him to be. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Lots of talk uh, following our conversation with J.P. Vijay. Check the podcast out if you missed that conversation. Jets at noon at like you're sending an email. You can find us on Apple and Spotify. Really appreciate everybody who gives that a download. Get a thumbs up for me. Really appreciate it. But lots of conversation uh, continuing to follow uh, from Perfetti. One texter says he needs a stint with the Moose to find his scoring. Uh, another, uh, in your comparison to Rossi, um, 
COVID kicked Rossi's butt, it did. It really took him out it a did, year. Yeah. Uh, and that's but he was why, also in the NHL on the fourth line and the second power play, and Dean Emerson didn't like him, and they sent him he back. He couldn't score in the NHL. He could he, not score he in the NHL. He was scoring very, very well in the A, but he couldn't score in the NHL last year. He couldn't. That's just a fact. Uh, and that's why he was delayed. This texture goes on to say, different compete levels and upside from Perfetti. Perfetti needs to dominate in the AHL to find his big boy game, quote unquote. See, like, like there's too many conversations going on here. We're talking about getting Perfetti going, and then there's another crowd talking about getting rid of him. That's asinine. Or, or dropping him down to the moose. Dropping him down. Well, not to the moose, but getting him well, that's going. What, that's what these texters are saying. His game that's out, what they're saying. Dropping him dropping down the, the lineup. Those are all fair talks. For the texters who are saying it's time to trade him, that's ridiculous. He's still on his ELC. I'll leave Chris Harvey with the final text here. He says, move on from Perfetti. He's got 30 points in 54 games and is currently on a 14-game slump. So 30 points in 40 games before that at age 22. Chill. Yeah, that's how I... I mean, I get the talk around. He's not playing well. That's no, what we just discussed. He, how do you get him going? The crowd that's saying get rid of him, that's ridiculous to me. That's absolutely ridiculous. Jim Toth will take you all the way until 3 o'clock. Thank you very get much, him going, Jeffrey. though, because he needs to get going. He's got to... I said it in the most simplest terms, and everybody knows what I'm saying. He needs to find his game. The Jets need him. They do. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Forche, you for found producing your game. the game. You were magical today. Wow, what can I say? The trivia I am, alone. I am the best. Enjoy the Jets game, Mike. Jim Tilt, take it three o'clock. That's it for me. I'll be back. Same time tomorrow. Jets at noon on six eight CJOB.